This episode of Truth's Table is brought to you by InterVarsity Press, whose vision is to catalyze redemption, restoration, and revival in our divided and broken world. Follow IVP on Twitter at IVPress and visit IVP's website at www.ivpress.com. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Truth's Table, midwives of culture for grace and truth. I'm McCamini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by black women and for black women. So welcome to the table. See how you doing, girl? I'm doing good today. You know, it's a Monday. It's a Monday. <laughs> well. So I am I'm in full Monday swing. So uh, how are you? You know, I'm good. It is a Monday, uh, but I got I got to the gym. So, you know, I'm good. <laughs> so, That's this- what I'm talking about. <laughs> the sun is shining. It's still summer. Y- y'all know how I feel about summer. It's my, it is my favorite season. So I'm good. <laughs> it's like a holiday. It's an extended holiday. It's an extended day. holiday. And I'm going to ride it till the wheels fall off. Okay? I am totally <laughs> with you. You know, I'm, I'm actually on vacation from work. So I, at this point in time, I'm thinking about what it means to unwind and unplug from the work that I do. And so I'm pretty geeked about our guests for today. Yes, yes, y'all. Okay, so you know when it's two of us at the table, it means we got an interview. And this is not just any old interview, y'all. This is professional black girl with Dr. Yaba Blay. She is at the table with us. Dr. Yaba Blay, welcome to the table. How you doing, sis? Hey y'all. I'm doing good. How y'all feeling? Good, good, good. We are so happy to have you at the table. And I just want to read out your credentials just in case our sisters at the table don't know, although I'm not quite sure how that's possible, but we're we going to see. Um, just so y'all know, uh, Dr. Yaba Blay is a scholar, cultural worker, and digital organizer. Her practice centers on the lived experiences of Black people all over the world with a particular focus on identity politics and beauty practices. Lauded by O Magazine for her social media activism, she is the creator and executive producer of Hashtag Professional Black Girl, a docu-series and online community boasting over 100,000 followers and previously constructed the campaigns of Hashtag Locks of Love, Hashtag Pretty Period, and Hashtag We All We Got. In 2012, Dr. Blaze served as a producer on CNN's Black in America, Who is Black in America, and has since been named one of today's leading voices by The Root 100. She has appeared on CNN, BET, MSNBC, and NPR. Her work has been featured in The New York Times, Ebony, Essence, Fast Company, The Philadelphia Inquirer, Color Lines, The Root, and Al Jazeera America. Her commentary is featured in A Changing America, 1968 and Beyond, a permanent installation exhibited in the National Museum of African American History and Culture, which is the museum, y'all. Um, the former Dan Blue Endowed Chair in Political Science at North North Carolina Central University. Dr. Blay previously taught at Drexel University, Lafayette College, Lehigh University, and Temple University, where she earned her doctorate in African-American studies and graduate certificate in women's studies. She is the author of the award-winning book, One Drop, Shifting the Lens on Race. Welcome to the table, Dr. Blay. Thank you. And look y'all, at, that, that, whole, that whole bio, just it was, it was exciting and it made me tired. I was like, man. Oh. 
You know, but that's the thing, right? Like, we gotta we gotta write the bio out. We gotta put it all we out there. Oh, yes. oh yes, give we her flowers while she yet lives. We need to Okay, we gotta give ourselves our roses, okay? Yeah. We the roses, no, all right? No, no, no. <laughs> we the roses for real, for real. So okay, so you are legitimately a professional black girl. Clearly, okay, yeah. um, based on yeah. your bio. But Absolutely. before we even jump into that, I am actually very fascinated by your um, origin story. And I'd love for you to share that, um, just your own. Uh, I think that you, I, I consider you one who has a, a beautiful way of seamlessly bringing together your West African heritage, heritage as a Ghanaian and also an American. Um, and I think people often see tension between that, you know, the diaspora wars and all that. Um, and I just wonder how, how is it that you were able to just seamlessly marry the two? Um, cause I know people are also fascinated by that with regard to me, but I, I think that you do, you, you do that so perfectly and effortlessly. And I'm just curious about how you became who you are. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't feel like I had a choice. I can't imagine doing it any other way. You know, mm. I was first generation born here, first in my family to be born here in mm-hmm. the United States. And my father um, came to the U.S. to do his doctorate. Um, mm-hmm. His first job was at Xavier University. So I was born and raised in New Orleans. And so I always feel like um, in terms of my identity, it's always been just in my face. I come from two cultures and spaces where our culture is our identity. You know, Saganians are very proud and will tell Mm -hmm. you without you asking (laughs) that we're going to win. And folks from New Orleans are the same way. I mean, you often know before we even have to tell you. Yeah. And so, you know, it's so beautiful to me now in this moment to be able to sit back and kind of reflect. So when I see visual cultural uh, pieces from Ghana or visual cultural pieces right. from New Orleans, I'm like, of course I am who I am. Like, mm. like, you know, and so I think culture has always been something that's very much important, but I know, you know, my father, um, he's coming out of Nkrumah's Ghana, you know, mm-hmm. he's coming right. to the United States. Um, at a time where black folks were proud to be black, you know? And so he came at a beautiful time because he was also proud to be Ghanaian. And so having me, I think for my parents, as I'm sure for many immigrant parents, there's some anxiety about who your child is going to become. And so, you know, my parents nailed it into my head every day that I'm Ghanaian, you know? Mm. And this is what we do. And, and, and though Chui is not my, I mean, Chui is my first language, but I don't speak it very well anymore. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. I knew that we spoke a different language. I knew that we ate different foods. I knew that we danced to different music. But at the same yeah. time, I also knew that it was similar, right? So while they while they took the time to tell me this is different, when we're eating gumbo, my mom's like, they have they look, is okra in here too? There you, you know? go. There you go. <laughs> you know? It's true. It's there facts. Some, it's facts. Some, and where did, where did it come from? Yeah, for sure. Exactly. <laughs> right. exactly. So there was some connecting of the dots, I think, happening, whether they realize it or not. And so for me, also occupying that space, I did experience tensions, you know, Mm -hmm. because children Mm -hmm. are, you know, I won't curse on your show, but Mm -hmm. children can be jerks. Uh, Um, (laughs) You know, on, on the playground when folks, you know, whether, you know, it's like, where your name come from or like yeah. why your parents sound like that or uh, why you uh-huh. so black, 
you know, mm-hmm. like all mm-hmm. the kinds of questions or like knowing that my family, you know, cause proud little me at this time to say anything, I'm letting you know, I'm from Africa. I'm Ghanaian, you know? Yes. But the, the, I guess the, the backlash of that is like, well, what's that mean? And, and does that mean you ride elephants and does that mean you climb trees? And so, you know, mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. children not knowing, asking questions to me and of me that, you know, made me very aware that I, was different. And so I think it's always been a dance I've had to dance. I've always had mm-hmm. to, in some ways productive and in most ways, probably not. Cause I feel like there's been a lot of times where perhaps I've had to try and prove my Ghanaian-ness, you know, mm-hmm. to, well, to, to my yep. cousins who, yeah. <laughs> you know, remained in Ghana. And so when I come home, they're like, we know you're American, you know, mm-hmm. you're the American girl. And then, mm-hmm. you know, being with my African-American and other diaspora and Black folks, knowing that, you know, I'm somehow different in those ways. And so there's been a lot of dancing and a lot of code switching and a lot of all of that. And I think I've probably, not until, you know, having my own daughter and not until becoming mm-hmm. an adult and definitely not until going to graduate school where I had the opportunity and the privilege to actually focus on my own culture right. Um, right. As, as a career, you know, that I became comfortable and actually Mm -hmm. proud of this beautiful space that I think I occupy because in a lot of ways I'm able, I think, to be a translator and an interlocutor and not in a, and I think in a way that is probably healing for us all. Oh, for sure. sure. Oh goodness. Yes, most definitely. Um, I think, uh, I'm so glad you shared your story because I, I love, I'm a, I'm a big fan of professional black girl (laughs) season one. Until um, your Instagram account, like legit, like when I open up my Instagram account, I already know I'm just going to see some bomb stuff. I'd be like, 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 yeah, yes, that's so funny. Definitely, <laughs> 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 I will just completely admit that. Um, and I just think that you just, you know, just securing your identity has just helped to even just bring so much wholeness, um, I think, to to us as Black women and, of course, to us as Black people. And I think it's just beautiful. And so I'm wondering if you could explain to us, what is a professional Black girl, number one? And are you born a professional Black girl? Or can you come into this? We need, how can we be down? Okay? That's what we want to know. The makings of a professional Black girl. Help us. That's funny. That's funny. Um, well, you know, it's interesting. As, as the community grows, I think when people see those words on surface, they assume that it is a space for us to be celebrating Black women who are, you know, at the top of their game in their careers. And like, this is, Mm -hmm. it's it's so not that, but it can incorporate that. And so when I started using the hashtag professional Black girl, I want to say in 2014, Mm -hmm. I, just in terms of who I am, and so put a plug in that just for you to know background wise, in all of the work that I've been able to do, and I always say it's a, a privilege to be able to do work that I love. Like it's work that is, I center myself, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, in grad school, particularly for those of us who are researcher, one of the first lessons we get is that of objectivity, to distance yourself, to separate Mm -hmm. yourself from the the work so you can be objective. (laughs) And I got an opposite, of course, (laughs) right? right? Right. I got the opposite level. I got the opposite lesson being trained at Temple in Black Studies where it's like, no, we center ourselves. Yes, yes, yes. I've always had the privilege to do that. And so 
in, in, in social media land, like most people who know me just personally know that like things that make me happy tend to be black people being our blackest black selves, yes. particularly <laughs> when it comes to like performing culture. Like again, like just being able to value like everybody is not us. And I don't see that as a, as a liability, right? That people don't talk like us. They don't dance like us. They don't eat like us. Like we have our own thing. And so one of my favorite things in life, like, I think I'm just, I'm in love with black girls, little black Mm. girls, baby Mm -hmm. black girls. And so once I started getting active, um, in social media, particularly in Instagram in the visual space, seeing videos, of little black girls hairstyles, little black girls dancing, anything little black girls do. I'm like the auntie cheerleader. There that's you go. Like giving you all the hearts, you know, and giving yes. you all the hashtags and all the accolades. So I started using the hashtag professional black girl to kind of mark mm. those moments and those times where I would see little black girls doing their yeah. thing. And I'm like, oh, you are professional. Right. Right? Um, right. And and I'm thinking specifically love- of this video that came out. A few years ago, it's a little girl in Philly. She's got her hair braids and beads. And I don't know if it's her dad or her <laughs> brother, but there's a man who's holding a hula hoop. And he's like, all right, I'm Gary, teach you how to do it. And he's like, when I say wiggle your hips, and before he could even say anything oh. else, she starts wiggling her hips. And like her grandmom's in the back, like, get it, baby. Get it, oh. Tink. And like, she's compl- she's all in. And I'm like, oh, she's a professional. Like, whether that hoop is on her hips or not, <laughs> Like she is completely committed to this thing. And so like those moments, interestingly enough, like those are moments that bring me joy day to day. Like no matter what's happening in my life, like being able to see black women and girls just be free. Right. In those ways, particularly knowing the world that we live in, like there's so many ways that this world is against us. There's so many world ways that this world tries to confine us. Even, you know, when I say this world, it's inclusive of our own communities because we're constantly being taught and trained that what it means to be professional is to not be Mm -hmm. ourselves. So Mm -hmm. no, don't send your baby to school with the whole pack Mm -hmm. of beads in their hair. Don't name your baby Keisha. Mm -hmm. Don't do this. Don't do that. And so Mm -hmm. when I'm able to see us freely being us that brings me joy and pride and so I think using that hashtag was a way for me to kind of like big them up and give them a trophy that I find value in like so whether you see value in it or not or other people you know give you the accolades that you deserve for it know that there's value in the thing that you're doing and that you just don't have to run from it and so I market professional. That's what professional means to me. Awesome. Yeah, that's, oh, that's, that's very good. Like I was thinking, I know that you just mentioned uh, kind of offhand about having a daughter, and I have two professional black girls, mm-hmm. black girls in my home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of the things that you said that really just stood out to me, Yaba, was this idea of the beauty of freedom. Watching mm-hmm. little girls be black little girls, and mm-hmm. um, and I just I just wanted to maybe even rewind or if you would be willing to maybe sure. your own moments of, of being a free little black girl, if you could mm-hmm. share some of that mm-hmm. narrative with us. And I too find it precious. And as a mom of these two black girls, it's something I guard uh, mm-hmm. vigilantly. So do you, you have know, any reflections? I mean, what's interesting is I probably came across my own professionalism 
I won't say it wasn't an accident for me, but it definitely wasn't the plan of my parents. So again, <laughs> as 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 immigrant parents, they didn't know. They didn't know. They didn't know what I was experiencing in the world. They didn't know what I was doing, and and I think they just wanted me to be happy. And so, like, they allowed me to. My parents it's so interesting. For as strict as they think they are, they gave me so much freedom. Mm. In, in in terms of being able to like go outside and, and maybe it was the times, maybe it was the eighties, yeah. but like, well, yeah. I don't think they had the anxiety that I think we have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I literally would get up and get dressed and go outside and play and I'd be wherever, you know? <laughs> and so I'd be with my friends and my girlfriends and, you know, being around them and their families at their cookouts and, and whatever they were doing, mm. I was doing it too. And so I think, my parents allowed me, like, I knew that there was a time for me to be straight A student Yaba, you know, and I mm-hmm. knew that outside of that, because again, I don't know about your Nigerian parents, but my Ghanaian parents was just like, you know, I would remember, even when I think about my own work around like colorism, for example, I would remember yes. crying to my parents about my hair or, mm-hmm. you know, because I wanted a relaxer or, yeah. um, you know, crying about my complexion because the kids were making mm-hmm. fun of me. And my parents didn't have time to that. They're like, are you smarter than them? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, yes. They're like, that's all that matters, sis. Move on. You know? <laughs> but in my mind, being smart was easy. I didn't care about being smart, right? I wanted to be pretty and all these things. So my parents, so long as I was bringing home them straight A's, they didn't really, they didn't stress me too much. So I had the freedom, I think, to be in those ways. But again, code switching on professional levels, I knew who not to be in front of them also, you know? Um, So I think it was just really me exploring again, exploring time and space um, and making sense of my, what felt like a peculiar identity at the time. Mm, That's beautiful. I think, um, yeah, that's so funny. When you talk about, you know, them grades and being smart, they like, we ain't got time to keep pushing. They just just keep on going. You know what I'm saying? You know, they they be thinking, we my eyes sensitive. This is a real issue. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, I'm wondering uh, just about your um, your uh, professional black girl uh, web series. Can you talk to our sisters at the table about that and just season one and season two and just kind of like some of the, the differences or continuity mm-hmm. about of that and mm-hmm. and how they can, of course, you know, begin to watch it if they don't if they don't already watch it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, season one. Interestingly enough, it's. I never planned to create it. I didn't sit down and say, I want to create this web series called Professional Black Girl. I actually had a whole nother show in mind because I do have aspirations of having a show um, Mm. and creating content. And so I was trying to create this digital show um, that was centered in beauty supply stores. And Mm. I thought that the ending segment of each show would be this little clip of a professional black girl since I had already started using the hashtag. And so season one, when we were filming it, I had just moved to North Carolina. And so it was literally my friends who were coming to visit me. And um, we would go to what I have experienced as the largest beauty supply store I've ever been to in my entire life. It's called Beauty World. It's in Durham, North Carolina. It is a converted grocery store. So there are 60 something aisles of stuff. The entire left side of the store is hair. And it is literally a playground oh for my. me because I love oh. beauty supply. So like I love, I love the beauty supply. <laughs> no, beauty you supply. love, 
Okay. And so when my friends would come, I just recognize again, like how much this space kind of like connected us because, you know, particularly those of us in the same age group, you know, you go down one aisle, it's like, oh my God, do you remember pink oil moisturizer? And we open up, you know, we open yes. up the top and smell it and you're instantly smell. transported back to a time, even though I will say that they have changed the formula. So it don't no longer oh, smell like, does it smell like that anymore. And so, you know, things like that. And so um, we started recording what I thought would be short clips that would end the segments of this other show. When we went to edit, the other footage wasn't exactly what I wanted and I needed more. And so instead of wasting the professional black girl footage, I decided to put it out on its own. And I thought, you know, folks will appreciate this content just, you know, for something to laugh at, something to see. I just didn't expect it to become a thing. And so it became a thing. And what's so interesting is I put out that web series in 2016, the first season in 2016. I didn't start the Instagram page until 2017. I didn't start the Instagram page until that season one was over because I'm like, okay, it's a thing now. Let me do something to kind of hold folks over since folks are now asking about right. season two. And again, I never had a plan for this. Mm-hmm. So I started the Instagram in May 2017. And now the Instagram has actually become more of the thing than the, right. the web series. Right. Yeah. Wow. Who haven't seen it. I mean, I think that the series, at least season one is like, a, a you know, all of it really. Season one and two is like a conversation with your homegirl. Mm-hmm. or your auntie or whomever. Season one, again, it was a variety of sisters from a variety of places. So they were talking about the different things that made them professional black girls. I start the season by giving some background to who a professional black girl is, particularly centering myself. The mm-hmm. second episode is my daughter and my granddaughter um, <laughs> because professional black girls raise professional black girls, raise professional go. black girls. And so I can take it back to my grandmothers. It, it came from somewhere, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, again, friends and, and, and associates and new friends in North Carolina giving me their own kind of like, this is what makes me a professional black girl. For season two, um, I don't know. I think I was thinking that I don't know if folks want to sit through another season of just what seems like arbitrary women talking about their own thing. And so I tried mm-hmm. to think forward about, okay, how might this look in the future? And so I had the idea that maybe... With each season, we would travel to another city and talk about what makes folks, mm-hmm. professional Black girls, very much connected to their cities. Because I do think, particularly in Black cities, um, that there are cultures, right, that mark us differently. And so, again, I started with myself. Like, there's no place like New Orleans. I don't care what anybody says. Um, and we just cut different. And so I wanted <laughs> to focus on black women and girls from New Orleans and talk about our culture down there and and what marked them as professional black girls. So season two focuses on all women from New Orleans. There you go. There you go. You know, uh, Yaba, it's, it's interesting. You you talked about the way that the Instagram has really taken off and kind of surpa- surpassed the, um, uh, has a life of its own, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering, just as one who is a fan, right, <laughs> who is also one of your 100,000 plus followers, um, I'm wondering if you think, um, from my vantage point, <laughs> it seems to me that professional Black girl highlights just regular Black women doing their thing. Like, you know, just regular, because I think there's a tendency sometimes to overcorrect, right? In a white supremacist nation, well, yeah. globe, 
actually, um, to over, you know, overcorrect, right? And so that we can sometimes push into um, respectability politics where we only highlight the exceptions, right? Um, And so- so from my vantage point, I th- I think as one who follows um, professional black girl, uh, I, for me, the draw is, oh, she highlights somebody that's just like me. Like I literally could have been that woman at the Walmart. Well, not Walmart, but Target, Target actually. Sorry. Let me yeah. admit it. Target. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not shooting off. Y'all like, well, I'm just saying. I would be a Target. <laughs> I could have been that woman. Like, oh, I am that woman. Like, you know. Um, and so I think for me, the draw is that we see, I mean, we say represent, re- representation matters and, you know, however you feel about that term, um, I think in some ways we can really actually see ourselves. And there's a hashtag that I think you put out and you say, wherever you go, there you are, or something like that. I think Yeah, everywhere. Well, so the everywhere you go, there you are. That's Mm -hmm. my, that's my kind of uh, marker for like, Connect the dots diaspora because yes, that's a whole nother, yes, yes. A whole nother wound we need to heal. Hello, yes, and that's for all of us, right? Because I yes. think for a variety of reasons, many of us aren't able to see the world, right? And we aren't able to see ourselves in the world. And so we sit in our spaces and we wait for the world to come to us, right. whether it's across our phones or TVs mm-hmm. or movies or whatever. And, you know, I always talk about my 75-year-old Ghanaian mother who, to this day, is still surprised to see people our complexion speak Spanish. Right. Oh, right. right. <laughs> it's like, mommy, they have Spanish. Mom, they have people right. who speak Spanish yeah. in, in these other places because of enslavement, yeah, you know. Exactly. They went all kinds of places. They so just got dropped off somewhere else and were forced yeah. to speak somebody else's language. So, yes. you know, I think... As an educator, you know, particularly someone who teaches Africana studies, that's also important for folks to see it visually. And I think that Mm -hmm. makes the power of our existence even more, you know, uh, tangible for folks um, to see it. So, yeah, definitely using that hashtag. But, yeah, with Professional Black Girl, I think that's something that I'm I'm, I'm committed to is Mm -hmm. making sure that folks um, can connect to it. Yeah, because again, I think it's about valuing our everyday Black girl magic. I think yes. we spend a lot of time, you know, I love Michelle Obama like y'all do. I absolutely love Beyonce <laughs> like everybody does. And, 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 and they're cool and I highlight them, but I would rather highlight everyday folks. Um, yeah. So you don't have to feel like I have to do ABZ, all these things before you find value in me. It's like, mm-hmm. look at the braids. Those mm-hmm. braids are so fly, you know what I mean, or whatever it is. Um, yeah. One of my colleagues showed the series to her 66-year-old um, mom who's like a deacon at her church. And mm-hmm. uh, I asked her, I was like, so what did mommy think? And she's like, oh, she said she likes it. She really loves how you make everyday women look yeah. like superstars. But she said, stop mm-hmm. cursing so much. <laughs> I'm like, all right, there you sorry, go. man. There you go. Um, but yeah, this idea that everyday women should be yeah. able to, you know, be praised mm-hmm. for stuff that we take for granted. You know, we don't mm-hmm. recognize, I think, our own magic. We and even and again, even within that internet space of folks using hashtag Black Girl Magic, yeah. my experience is that it's very elitist, mm-hmm. and so you don't even recognize the magic in the mirror, mm-hmm. right? For the regular everyday stuff we know how to do. Like you don't have to be Venus in Wimbledon, you know, to represent black girl magic. You know, some for some of us waking up this morning and putting on clothes and going out into the world and dealing with other people, 
you deserve a trophy, <laughs> you know? So yeah, I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm committed to, to the everydayness of it. So Akemeni, so many of our listeners are often asking us, what is sustaining you through this fight, through the resistance, through all of the discussion and truth telling, there's got to be moments of fatigue. How do you sustain yourself to stay in the fight? Yeah, well, you know what? It's true. Sometimes we do get tired of obviously the ills of white supremacy and racism. You feel burnt out. You feel disillusioned. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes you need a word from the Lord. Y'all know I be looking for a word from the Lord now. And so I am so glad uh, about this new devotional that is coming on the market. It's called Bread for the Resistance, 40 Devotions for Justice People by Donna Barber. And these 40-day daily devotions offer life-giving words of renewal and hope for those enraged with the injustices that we see day to day. When your legs are tired from marching and your knees are bruised from kneeling, you can experience rest and healing. And that's what the author, Donna Barber, she invites us into that. You know, she knows what it feels like to work for justice because she's the co-founder of The Voices Project, an organization that influences culture through training and promoting leaders of color. Uh, She's also the director of Champions Academy, an initiative of the Portland Leadership Foundation that provides culturally responsive leadership development for student athletes. So, so the Bradford of Resistance, um, this 40-day devotional is going to give us the wind in our sails that we need to continue to persist and fight the good fight of faith and justice that we're called to do as Christians. And so, Michelle, do, do, do we have any deals for us sisters at the table? That felt and sounded so good. I mean, I can't, I don't know why we wouldn't be able to bring you a deal because it sounds exactly like what so many of our sisters need to hear. Yes. So for our Truth Table listeners, we got that special link, y'all. Up until December 31st of this year, if you go to ivpress.com slash truth table, you can get 40% off of Donna's book and free shipping in the U.S. So through the rest of the year until New Year's Eve, Come on. You need to go to ivypress.com slash truth table and get your 40% off of this incredible devotional book from our sister. And there's free shipping. I mean, come on. Somebody's encouragement is already in the book. Come on, somebody. Make it plain and make it plain. Y'all get on this deal and buy Bread for the Resistance 40 Devotions for Justice People by Donna Barber. Yeah, you know, in our, you know, one of the things that we do at Truth Table, y'all, but is we, we kind of go down these these uh, theological rabbit trails. And when mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was listening to you, I, you know, I was thinking about just people's just kind of intrinsic dignity um, mm-hmm. that oh, yeah. <laughs> inherent to their humanity, irregardless of their um, their behavior. It, it transcend it transcends um, action. It's it's inherent. It's it's deep rooted. And um, from our theological frame, it's it's God given and God pointing mm-hmm. and God dignifying. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there is something really delightful and beautiful about what you just shared, Yaba, about just the simplicity of being a full human. Something that 
yeah. black people and black women don't mm -hmm. get to do, don't get to be um, right. in in the cultural context that we're in. So, right. Particularly black women, you know, I, I remember yeah. posting a meme a couple of weeks ago and it was just like, unfortunately, like black women, like we can't just be straight face, right? You have, a, right. what's wrong with you? You mad right. or you got an attitude? Right. It's like, no, I'm, I'm I'm actually chilling. Like, who do you need me to be for you to feel comfortable? Right. So mm. If I'm not mm. singing, if I'm not dancing, if I'm not nursing your babies, like who you need oh. me to be? You know, yeah. but and so I think even for us, and that's what, you know, even in terms of healing spaces and moving towards healing for so mm -hmm. many of us, sometimes it's as simple as giving ourselves permission to mm -hmm. rest. Like there's a page that I love on Instagram. It's called the nap ministry that is run by a sister and like she connects those dots about how like mm -hmm. even our inability to sit still sometimes is absolutely right. rooted in white supremacy mm -hmm. and capitalism mm -hmm. and our pure <sighs> existence in this sure. space and our value mm -hmm. is not connected to how much we do every day so i've i've made it a practice now i don't use the language of grind i'm not on the grind i'm not <laughs> right, right right I think the things that get ground you know what it's i mean okay. they're, they're, they're done get ground. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want that you know mm -hmm. i want to and it's an ever trust me it's an everyday work i was gonna mm -hmm. say challenge but it's it's okay. work mm -hmm. for myself mm -hmm. to give myself permission to watch tv Mm -hmm. to not yes. work every hour of yes. the day. You know what I mean? And so like, I think that is us. Like we want everyone else to recognize our humanity. We got to recognize our humanity oh, too. Oh my goodness. And human say beings. that. Say that. Right? Yeah, but what, human what helped you, what helped you to shift? Because it sounds like there was a before and after on what, oh, break what down. you're describing. So, Oh, being broke all the way down, mm. working mm. myself into the ground because I mm. had something to prove. Like mm. black women, we have something to prove all the time. Like in my professional spaces, being and and being told without being told that I either I talk too much, I know too much, I say too much. Like being very aware that people feel some type of way about your presence. And so, me being the Sagittarius that I am, I'm gonna show you better than I can tell you. But what ends up happening is that I'm doing all this work to prove something to people who ultimately don't matter. And I'm working myself into the ground. I did it with my dissertation. I did it with my book. I tend to do with my projects like I I work so much because I don't want anybody to ever have a question but coming to realize that those people don't matter right. <laughs> particularly right. when your health is in stake mm. you know and so I worked myself to sickness my goodness and I don't want to be sick I want to be well I want to be able to Absolutely. like experience life and enjoy life mm -hmm. and so that's why I say mm -hmm. it is an everyday unlearning, mm -hmm. unlearning yes. those models that say, come on, sis, you on your grind. We on this. Like, and, and we do it. I get it. It's cute. We got mantras and hashtags and stuff we do to pipe each other up about, you know, mm -hmm. doing whatever, securing the bag, what the hustle, the grind. I don't want to. I'm tired. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Part of our humanity, <laughs> yeah. Part of our humanity is that we get to rest. Um, yeah. Being fully human and rest is essential to that. So I'm so glad you yeah. had that epiphany, and hopefully that will just trickle down and translate onto all of us. Um. I'm, try I'm trying. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to pass it to my daughter. I'm trying to pass it to my granddaughter, but I don't think that we honor rest or stillness or even just joy. So for me, as much as you know. I'm sure when folks are around me, they're like, you are always on your phone. You stay scrolling. I keep telling y'all it's work. <laughs> right. People don't understand. They don't. Yes. Goodness gracious. It's, it's true. work, but it's also joy. And I, I will yeah. say that I find joy in 
seeing us do all manner of stuff. Like, again, I love Barack Obama. I love Michelle Obama. I love all of the first black people to do everything there ever was. But I <laughs> and also, the ones that will come, right? We still got some first coming. Exactly. But I also <laughs> like seeing black dance teams. I like seeing black sorority sisters stroll. I like seeing little girls double dutch. Those things bring me joy. So I think I owe myself joy in those simple ways as well. You do. You do. Um, yeah. So I, so speaking of the before and after, I'm wondering now with running the, uh, uh, particularly the social media account, because I know mm-hmm. how running social media accounts can be all consuming. Um, I wonder, have you come up with like a, a best practice? Like how, because you have a lot of content. On professional yeah. black girl, like I, I don't, I can't even, I don't even know. I can't even like throw out a number on how many posts I see a day. I mm-hmm. feel like I see at least five, but I feel like that's a very conservative number I'm throwing yeah. out. It and so I went, on the day. <laughs> okay, okay. So do you? So you do you do that just by hand, or do you do you set it up, or you you mm-hmm. you schedule your posts? Like, how mm-hmm. does this work? Let us know. I'm just curious. It's, like, professional black girl is me. And it is me sharing the stuff that I see. That's, I mean, people tag me in a whole bunch of stuff. People send me a whole bunch of stuff. So I, I'm thankful for that because without the community, some stuff I I've probably tagged would you. Do, I, right? confession, I've, I've tagged you a couple of times. Thank you. <laughs> and the people always say, oh, I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. I may have seen it already. But yeah, tag right. me. That's how I see a lot of stuff, bring stuff to my attention. Um, so it's me. It's me posting. Um, wow. I don't schedule. And it's interesting mm-hmm. because a lot of folks who are learning about social media and trying to, you know, promote their quote unquote brand and build community. You know, we learn about a lot of different um, apps and a lot of strategies sure. and people will encourage you, you know, map out your posts, plan out your posts. But for me, again, I'm centering myself. I might not feel like that on Tuesday morning at nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> That might not be what I want to share. Something may have happened That's on true. Monday night that I now want to bring to the community on Tuesday morning. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's probably a balance, right? I could yeah. probably get some posts lined up and ready to go <laughs> and still be able to insert um, some real time things. But no, I don't schedule. It's it's me. And so some days and again, honoring my own humanity, some days I don't feel like it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I, I'm not, I don't feel like laughing with y'all. And so right. I don't, I don't post and I'll come back and, you know, the thing that I love about us though, on the low, folks want to know where I'm at. Like, Hey, 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 where's my laugh? Right. <laughs> but I, there are more sisters mm-hmm. than enough who will be like, you all right, sis? Yeah. Haven't seen mm-hmm. you yeah. in a couple of days, everything. Okay. So I appreciate checking out as you. well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because uh, you know our laugh is on the other side of your rest, Yaba. Yeah. That's the reality. Our yeah. laughs are on this, and if you're not good, then we're not good. You know, because we're all connected. And trust uh, me, I feel there the days I don't post, I'm also riddled with like, I feel bad because mm, I, I also recognize because of all of the love notes I get from sisters every single day about what the space means to them. I feel bad not Mm -hmm. sharing on those days. But I also, again, talking myself through, like uh, one thing I can't be is fake. I'm not going to be, you know, inauthentic in this space. And so if I'm not cracking up at this thing that I'm posting right now, I'm not sharing it with you. Right. Right. (laughs) Because it's worth that laugh. Like I need to laugh too, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. 
feel that. I feel that. Um, you know, backtracking really quick because um, I think um, when you, I, I, the way I came to your work, this is like this predates professional black girl. Well, you've always been a professional black girl, but you know, before we knew about a professional black girl, uh, I came to your work um, via Pretty Period, the hashtag mm-hmm. Pretty Period, um, as a dark skin girl um, who grew up in California. Very, very. Very, you know, because you know, regionally, there's mm-hmm. different levels to this colorism thing, um, and so, uh, so, yeah, so I just really connected with a uh, pretty period, and I just thought mm-hmm. it was just such a a beautiful campaign, a necessary um, campaign, and so in my mind, I've always conceived of you as an image activist, if if that makes mm-hmm. sense, as somebody who ch- literally shifts the narrative, changes the narrative um, for our people, um, particularly black women, of course, um, and dark skinned black women. You, you just always have a different angle on mm-hmm. something. Even when Beyonce's um, Lemonade came out, you mm-hmm. had this um, brilliant think piece. I can't think of the title right now for color lines that mm-hmm. I just thought you had the most unique take out of everybody. <laughs> you just talked about some of that, some of your own upbringing with colorism and New Orleans and what it meant for Bay to be uh, Bay to be highlighting her creelness and oh, and what yes. that meant, yeah. right? Oh yeah, she got into all of that, and I thought it was very very beautiful um, and necessary. And so I'm wondering if you could talk to our listeners. Now, I know this is a, an older campaign, but about Pretty Period, why it was created, and will there be an, a, another iteration of that? And if not, no big deal. But I'm just curious for my own self as well. So, Pretty Period is um, another love project. Um, And the title comes as a response to the offhand, what people think is a compliment that I've gotten most of my life. Oh, you're pretty for a dark skinned girl. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, if I'm pretty, I'm pretty. Period. Period. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it also came on the heels of dark girls and light girls, which made me want to peel my skin off. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think again, and, and I recognize again from a from this is my life's work, this is my research, so I'm sure. all in, and I understand how much people don't know just based upon the conversations that we have. But at the same time, I'm like, if you're black in America, how could you not? Mm. Right. So I don't think perhaps maybe some experiences were just tuned into differently. But colorism sure. is a really it's a it's a big thing, and it's something it that impacts us all, no matter what color of the spectrum. Um, Mm -hmm. that you're on. And so on the heels of dark girls and light girls, which I think played way too much into the tensions between us, which are real. I just think that's the only conversation we ever have when it comes to colorism. We only talk about um, the tensions between us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, I wanted to celebrate. I wanted to say, this is a project that celebrates um, our beauty. Right. So Pretty Period was a visual project. And um, I worked with photographers to capture photographers and then also sort of professional black girl being able to um, highlight the joy that also comes with being dark skin. Right. So all of us aren't laying down in a corner somewhere wishing we were light skin. All of us aren't bleaching our skin. Mm. All of us. You know what I mean? Like we recognize the problematics but we also know that we fine. So mm. if y'all don't, because we keep talking about lack of representation, we keep saying there are sure. not enough images, 
here go some images. <laughs> here go. Here go. Pictures. Because right. even sometimes, you know, more and more conversations I have, particularly with brothers, interestingly enough, particularly those brothers who talk about preference. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> preference, quote unquote, yes. Pathology. Who trains you to see beauty? You know, all of us have been trained to recognize certain things as beautiful. And I would argue mm-hmm. that most of the things that many of us probably as children named as beautiful weren't beautiful at all. We were just following mm-hmm. the leads of other people. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. if you're able to sit with yourself, do you know yourself enough to know the things that actually bring you aesthetic joy? Or are you just moving to the world like a automaton? Right. And mm. so since you don't know what dark skin beauty looks like, here go some pictures. Here are some images of, of dark beauty all over the world. And even in that quote unquote darkness, that's relative, right? One of my best friends, Chantrell, who I don't, when we first met, she's also from New Orleans. Um, mm-hmm. She's episode 10 of season two. Um she identifies as dark skin, which so many people would laugh at, like Chantrell, shut up. But growing <laughs> up in New Orleans, where you've got folks who can pass yes. white and are still con- considered black, yes, yes. you dark skin. Yes. You know? It's so it's relative. True. Absolutely relative. You know, my True. daughter, who I wouldn't name her dark skin, I think I would say she's brown skin, average brown, whatever that means. Take her <laughs> right, to Ghana, right. you know, take her to Ghana, and she's white girl she light skin right right right. so it's it's relative and so even in those conversations that's another thing i think that's important for us when we talk through this healing work it's also not our place to tell people what they are Mm, that's good you know Mm, Um, mm. because they identify it as a particular way for a particular reason so i think it's more healing to learn their story Mm. and learn their context and how they came Mm -hmm. to see themselves because it's it's relative there are a lot of Ghanaians who would identify as light skin and they'll come over here and get their feelings hurt but it's relative (laughs) relative. that's so true you know so yeah pretty period was another love project i really wanted little black girls to see their beauty reflected in older black women as well. Because I think for myself, you know, it wasn't until 98, I want to say, when Alekwek was on the cover of Elle magazine. That was the first mm. time I think I saw myself reflected yes. in someone that someone else called beautiful. Sure. You know, it was a big deal. I was trying to buy up all the magazines um, wow. that I could because it, and even in Elle's history, they're 80, I want to say 85, 80 something year history. Still, there have only been three or four women, black women, on their cover. Mm. You know, when we look at our own publications, we can look at the history of Ebony and Essence and Jet and what Mm -hmm. used to be Tan and all these magazines that aren't even around anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. when I think back to looking at Jet Beauty of the Week in the 80s, it absolutely was never a woman my complexion. Yes, that's true. You know, and these things have impact. And so Pretty Period was just... Mm -hmm. We're not going to sit here and talk about colorism all day long and talk about how woe is me. We're just going to celebrate who we are. And we fine. And if you don't think we are, we're just going to remind you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of what's next, I don't know. You know, Mm -hmm. it's actually, you know, the Instagram is still there. I honestly don't have the time to run it myself. Um, So I know that there is actually a student organization that um, is using the name at Howard. And I think theirs is more inclusive of like pretty period for all of it. Like whether your hair is natural or straight, whether you're big or you're small, 
Like, I think mm-hmm. that's what their kind of take is on the pretty period. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a love project. It's there. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. have any like set out plans for it, but it's still something that, you know, I'm in love with and I hope yeah. it helps folks as much as it can. Yeah, man, I, I mean, I, I love how you name it a love project. You know, just the purposefulness of let me just let me step into this space and let's add a love initiative as as you look around at our present moment, because I know that, to to, you know, how um, both politically and sociologically uh, competent you are and savvy you are. What do you see as a pressing love project? Now, you don't have to take it up and do it. I'm not trying to give you another job. I got another job to put up there. But not as, not as another job, but just, just you discern it. You know? mm-hmm. what, what are you seeing as some spaces for some potential love projects? I mean, of course, if I name them, it's stuff I want to do, right? But um, <laughs> I think similar to what I spoke of earlier in terms of, I, mean, I think they're connected. One piece of it is this this, this operationalizing um, and visualizing diaspora. Again, it's important for oh, me yes, um, yes. for us to see ourselves because I connect mm-hmm. all these dots. Like I think mm-hmm. for many of us, we exist in our bubbles. We think even our own political existence and our political experiences are are specific to us and not recognizing how we're connecting to this bigger conglomerate of black folks all over the world who are having similar experiences. I think it's important for our identity as black people to see ourselves in the world, whether we're able to get there or not. And also connected to that, another love project I think is that it might be time for us to actually spend some real time and do some real work of like defining blackness. So on the one hand, while I want to keep that door open, right, which is connected to the work I did on my book with One Drop and Shifting the Lens on Race, like I want to keep that door open, you know, for blackness to be inclusive in a lot of ways. I also think that given the times that we're in, we, us folk, we need to be clear or get clear or at least have some parameters to recognize blackness, to define blackness, because what has mm-hmm. happened for so long is that it's been defined and given to us. Yes. Yes. And so what is it yes. if we took all of those hands out of the pot, how mm-hmm. would we define it? And then what would be the purpose and function of that definition? Because again, we've got our own stuff to unlearn, right? So if it's yeah. just like, oh, we can see it from a distance, what function does that serve? How does that help us? Mm-hmm. What do we lose in defining it in that way? And so just really for me, it's just opening up the door for the conversation, not saying that there's an end goal and that will come out with a like definition that we all agree to, but we're not even talking about it. Again, we're just moving from assumptions and the danger in that is that in as, in, in as much and in so far as we say we are trying to dismantle white supremacy, we're actually mm. upholding it. Mm. So for yeah, me, wow. those the, that work is love work because for me, just my perspective, so much comes out of our identity and being clear about who we are. So for me, mm. Black nationalist Yaba, uh, yeah, yeah. I see myself connected to Black people all over the world. That's critical mm-hmm. to my conceptualization of myself. You know, I can move from that space. And so... I think it's important for all of us. And you don't have to have that same conceptualization, but at least be clear about whatever it is, that Blackness is important, I think. Sure it is. Not everybody does. 
<laughs> this is true. You're right. Uh, some of our cousins don't think so. No. <laughs> this is true. No, and you know what I've learned also over time? It's not my place to beat them up about that. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody can't come. Exactly. <laughs> everybody ain't able. That's all right. You know, everybody ain't able. Everybody ain't there. You know, it's, it's all it's all right. And, You're right. And it may or may not be my job to teach them that because that's the other thing because love work can be exhausting work. So oh, yeah. there was a time where I fight everybody about colorism. I'll take mm-hmm. time out of my day. I'm going to refer you to the resources. I'm going to define it. We're going to talk. I'm going to ask you 35,000 questions. And at the end of the day, you're walking away and going on about your life. I might not ever see you again. Right. You're gone and I'm exhausted. Yes. Yeah. You know? And, and worn so, out. Yeah. And so just being also very clear about what, again, what we're, what we're capable of giving to the work and still maintaining mm-hmm. Right. Well, you know, love work, it truly is a labor of love, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and, lo- and love work, love projects, you know, it, love is sacrificial. Mm-hmm. It's forbearing, you know? Um, it, love is for grownups, right? So we, gotta be, we have to be very secure and settled um, in who we are in order to do, uh, in order for you to do this work and for us to do the work that we do in the, in the particular spaces that we're um, we're in. And so, and I'm so grateful that you've, you've committed yourself to the love projects that you have on your table. We're not trying to give you more. <laughs> and thank you for just, just even sharing us with us, just your own thoughts about like, oh yeah, that's missing. Something could be done there. Something could be done there. That's good to know. Um, just to even just plant seeds. Who knows? Who might, who knows which sister at the table might pick it up? We don't right. know right. who might water that project. Um, I'm wondering, um, Yaba, if you, this is your time. I have so many more questions, but you got things to do because you are a professional black girl, okay? So you can't be at the table with us all day. Um, I'm wondering if you could just talk to our sisters at the table about um, your work, how they can follow you, what you've got going on. And uh, this is just your time to plug yourself and talk about what you've got going on and how they can join your community. Yeah. Um, online, I spend way too much time on Instagram. So <laughs> you can definitely find Professional Black Girl on Instagram at Professional Black Girl. Um, we also have a Facebook page and we have a website, professionalblackgirl.com. And so season two of the web series just ended. Um, but you can catch up on that and season one on YouTube, on Facebook, and on IGTV. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, yeah, I think that's where you can find the work for the most Good. part. I'm, I'm working on my own website and figuring out who I want to be on these internets. So my website okay. has a coming soon page, but it's Yabba Blay. Um, yes, yes, yes. And now if they want to buy um, professional black girl apparel and shirts yeah, and stuff, all through the website. Have, yeah. All through the website. Okay. Professionalblackgirl.com. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, you know what? Thank you so much for sitting at the table with us, y'all. Thank I you am just, me. I am honored. I'm like, we learn from the professional black girl herself, y'all. Um, it's just, it's just amazing. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your work. Um, and of course I want to thank the sisters, um, for taking a seat at the table with us this week. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about hashtag professional black girl with Dr. Yaba Blay using the hashtag truth table. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at truth table or email us your thoughts at ask 
askthetruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account now, so you can send your love offerings to www.patreon.com slash truthstable, or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is www.paypal.me slash truthstable. Truth Table is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York, and we have been your hosts, Akemini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.